2: This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome. We're here. We're live. It's the Sooner Sports Podcast Game Plan Edition. Along with Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank. Now, T-Row, I think maybe full disclosure here, because you might notice a little different look this week with me in the upstairs studio, you in the downstairs. We're a little bit delayed, and the Sooner Vision crew was hustling because you and I can't be in the same room. we got to protect each other. That's right. And it's not because either one of us have been exposed or have COVID, but, Toby, we got to make sure that we'll be – much like Lincoln Riley has to make sure he can feel the team, we got to make sure we can feel the broadcast uh, on game
3: day. We have developed a plan in the preseason. Uh, to try to always keep a broadcast on the air, so we've got a depth chart, we've got strategic travel, <laughs> um, and I uh, really the downside of it is uh, you and I don't get to hang out or even uh, be in the same place. We can't ride in the same car together, or anything like that. We can't go out to eat together on the road. Um, I mean, maybe you can, we can sit across the restaurant and holler right. back from each other or something, but. Uh, I'm going to miss that. But, hey, it's 2020. You got to do what you got to do. So, uh, we're in separate studios yeah. right now.
2: It looks cool because it looks like Does we're it? right next to each other. But, see, right. yeah, he's he's downstairs. I'm upstairs. So, uh, you guys can hit us up with questions throughout the broadcast. Obviously, uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. If you are not subscribed, please go do so at Soonersports.com slash podcast. Toby, there's a lot of questions on Facebook already okay. about this game on Saturday because Chris Kleiman made some comments on Monday. Um, about how close they were to that threshold. For those that aren't familiar, there is a roster threshold in the Big 12 to be able to play a game. Uh, They came very close to not being able to play a couple weeks ago against Arkansas State. Probably, you know, things didn't go so well for them. But – I mean, this is probably going to be a weekly thing for a while, right, where we just battle with this. It's not a forfeit if Kansas State can't play. They'll try to reschedule the game. Sooners have a bye week later in October and then a bye week in November. But this is just the reality of what we're dealing with right now yeah. with the coronavirus.
3: No, that's right. And I don't know their situation. I think it will be like it was two weeks ago for Oklahoma, although I think Oklahoma is – it appears in a significantly better place than they were two weeks ago. Kansas State – is uh, a little bit dicey yeah. and Chris Klyman said they were within one player at one position at not meeting the threshold against Arkansas State they are again within one player at a different position this week uh, for the Oklahoma game so they've got two more tests to get through and we'll find out whether or not uh, they head this way or not uh, but Oklahoma's just got to assume there's going to be a football game the way that they laid out the schedule though this year Chris anticipates issues such as this OU and K-State have the same bye weeks, both in October and in November, October 17th and November 14th. So if they had to, they could move this game to one of those uh, two dates. Now we're not saying they're going to, but if they had to, they could just, you know, move that. I think it's going to be a weekly issue for everybody around the country. Um, For a while, maybe for the entirety of the season, you know, my hunch is that we're going to get midway through this year, four or five weeks into the season and enough guys are going to have had it that it's going to be difficult to get to those thresholds um, at certain positions or to get below the 53 number. Uh, That might not be the case, but that's kind of my hunch. The more weeks that go by the more guys from every team that have had it and gotten better and are now carrying the antibodies and everything, that eventually you may lose some guys, but you won't lose enough guys to be able to get to the thresholds where you have to postpone games. So I think the games that are in the most danger are in the front half of the schedule. As for whether we'll play Saturday, we're just going to have to keep our ear toward uh, Manhattan, Kansas to see what comes out.
2: Yeah, and I think this is going to be a weekly deal. You know, TCU and Baylor haven't had a chance to play a game yet. Toby, you hit it on the head maybe until later in the season. But as we sit here right now, we're planning on Oklahoma and Kansas State Saturday morning at 11 a.m. We'll be on the Sooner Radio Network with a 9 a.m. preview. We're going to talk defense coming up here in just a bit. But off the Lincoln-Riley press conference just moments ago, you you and Chad wrapped it up beautifully, Toby. But a lot of big news offensively coming out. For instance, Jaden Hazelwood potentially in the mix later in the season after recovering from his injury. I, I brought this up on the radio broadcast. Players are in a different position And I don't mean that on the field. I mean, like injured players. Usually they're on the bench and they're around and helping out. Well, they can't be in that bench area, so they're actually sitting in the stands. (laughs) And Jaden Hazelwood was one of the more active guys on Saturday, so that got me excited. But, heck, I'm just excited about seeing game two of the Spencer Rattler era because game one did not disappoint.
3: I I thought that was huge news about Jaden Hazelwood, and you've heard rumblings out there that maybe this could be a possibility later in the season that uh, his healing process had gone Uh, magnificently, and so it sounds like Lincoln Riley said they absolutely expect he'll be available at some point this year. I mean, you look at the guys that Oklahoma will add to their roster as the year goes along. If this team can weather the storm here early in the year, they should get better and better. Now, you know, you never know. Injuries could happen and you lose guys along the way, but we're talking about Ronnie Perkins, the best pass rusher, maybe in the Big 12. We're talking about Ramondre Stevenson, who might be the best running back on this team and one of the best in this conference. Trajan Bridges, who is a playmaker at the wide receiver position. And now a Jaden Hazelwood, which all things considered coming into this year, if he were healthy, you would have probably considered your number one or two option at wide receiver. Those aren't just guys, you know? Those aren't... What did they say, uh, Chris? Jags? Just a guy? Yeah, That's, they're not th- Jags. Those aren't Jags. That's <laughs> Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges, and Jaden Hazelwood. So, but we're talking about the back half of the season likely before you're going to see those guys. Meanwhile, I was very impressed by how they played against uh, Missouri State. And we're looking at some defensive highlights right now on the uh, television broadcast. Uh, to not give up a third down, to not give up a point Uh, To be basically not have any breakdowns where you let a long run get out the gate, where you let a receiver get behind you defensively, it was a very solid performance considering all the changes and and tinkering they've had to do.
2: Yeah, and again, you... There's guys who you're going to continue to see – my man, Brian Mead. Strip that ball out, Brian Mead. Um, But there's guys you're going to see continue to improve, I think, as well. You know, Toby had talked – or, excuse me, Teddy had talked, Toby, a lot this offseason about what he had seen from Nick Benito. And Nick's wearing number 11 this year. Uh, So, that's kind of cool. But when you only had, what, 40 plays – that Missouri State ran on Saturday there's not a ton of opportunities yeah. out there for guys especially when you jump out to a big lead that's a credit to the defense but I I just think you're gonna start seeing more guys step up and this depth that Alex Grinch wants that Brian Odom wants in this defense that Roy Manning wants I think they're gonna be able to start rotating more guys because speed D was truly Oh, I should have had that pick speed D was truly on display Saturday night and I think their confidence continues to grow
3: look good they're going to play better teams. We all understand absolutely, that. Absolutely. 46 total plays on offense from Missouri State. Um, it's hard to rack up big stats when you only play 46 plays of defense and you're rotating guys in and out. So you got a lot of guys who are on the field for 30 or fewer plays. Some guys 20 or fewer plays. So it's just hard to statistically have big games when that happens. And Kansas State's going to run more plays than that. The average football game is going to be between 70 and 80 plays. So I think we'll see, but all uh, you know, all things being said, to only play forty-six snaps and Deshaun White have one and a half sacks, um, it was a very impressive day all around. I mean, I think, I think that was the story of the night for Oklahoma. Is yeah, Rattler looked great. Uh, McGowan and Mims showed out, and they got the shutout. Okay, so those are headlines, but the overarching headline is they looked pretty polished on both sides of the ball and special teams considering everything they've been through. And when you look around the Big 12, and you look around the nation, and I fully expect when the SEC starts this week, you're going to see some teams that simply because practice has been weird, guys are in and out of the lineup, maybe conditioning is where, isn't where where it usually is, certainly execution isn't where it usually is, you're going to see some ugly performances. And sometimes losses, like Iowa State, like Kansas State, Oklahoma State almost got beat by Tulsa, and they were down at half at least. So for Oklahoma to come out and look as polished as they did, I think that is the overarching headline of this game.
2: You know, it's interesting. Uh, we're looking at the graphic on Spencer Rattler. Uh, we had our debate show, Sound Off, and I made the debate that I thought Spencer Rattler's debut was the, the greatest debut of the quarterback in Oklahoma senior history. Now, you you chose against me, not like I'm bitter or anything. Um, I was just scared of Lincoln. <laughs> I love talking though. Here's the thing. Yes, you're a prisoner of the moment whenever you, you saw what Spencer Rattler did. I just liked how he handled himself beyond just the, the talent on the field. Watching him on the sidelines, there wasn't, you know, what, what did we call the, the Baker Mayfield swinging arm walk, like the dinosaur walk or anything like that? He was just calm, cool, collected. Uh, he was calm, cool, collected in his post-game show. And listen, there's going to be bumps in the road, man. This is, this is a redshirt freshman quarterback. He's going to have games where he throws more than three incompletions where two of those were dropped, and he's going to have games where he turns it over. But T-Row, I, it's a very small sample size right now. It's his first start in two years, but I loved everything that I saw from Spencer Rattler on Saturday night, and it makes me excited
3: going forward. Well, we hadn't seen him really since that Netflix series, right? That's right. I mean, really since then. And he's matured. I mean, you you figured he would have, and you get in the system, and I'm not so sure that – let me word this properly. Go ahead. I'm not so sure that the number one lasting legacy of Jalen Hurts' time here is the mentoring of Spencer Ratley.
2: I'm I'm with you
3: on that. Either consciously or subconsciously. For Spencer to get to spend a year watching him – and I don't know how much mentorship went on there, but at the very least, for him to spend a year watching a veteran who is as mature as they come in college football and Jalen Hurts had to rub off. And so if you watch that Netflix series and he was a kid and you didn't know what he was going to be like when he got out there on the big stage and when he got microphones in front of him for the first time, uh, it's early. But it, there is, you know, it's obvious he has he has matured, and that's good to see.
2: Okay, speaking of it's early, we've got to come up with a name for these triplets, right? Because we got Spencer, we've got McGowan, and we've got Marvin Mims, right, his freshman. Now, that's not a taking away anything from the depth that's there at running back and wide receiver right, right. now. But,
3: I don't know, M&Ms, maybe? I'm, uh, Spencer doesn't have an M, Spence- but if you count Mikey Henderson in there. Okay, you know, well, you've you've got some M's working. We'll think about that.
2: I mean, I was I was thinking M M and then S for Spencer, but it doesn't work that way. The right?
3: nursery? What do you think about that? Last year, remember it was the uh, that's maybe a little too young. We had the kitty core. That's right. With the uh, freshman wide receivers last year, so we'll we'll figure out something. But, but how impressive were these guys?
2: Oh man, and and it's crazy because you know, Marvin Mims and Lincoln talked about his forty time. <laughs> did, did, did Dino ask he ran like a 4 7 or something like that? And Lincoln kind of laughed. He's like, it's nowhere. It's, yeah. it's it, He's yeah. in that fast guy's range, I think, is a term that he used. But I, Marvin Mims is the all-time leading receiver in Texas high school football history. Think about the talent that's played receiver position in Texas high school football. And he's the number one guy. I, I mean, it's it, amazing. with what he did on punt return, this is Seth McGowan. I mean, the first time he touches the ball, he scores a touchdown. I guess the bottom line here is, yeah, there's a lot of really good names and, and guys that are going to contribute this year uh, that are upperclassmen, but you can't help but be excited about that kitty core, that young group there with Rattler, Mims, and McGowan right now.
3: No, you're right, it, and the fact that Oklahoma leaned as heavily as they did on Mims, especially right out of the gate, very impressive. I mean, you think back to just a year ago with Hazelwood and Weiss and Bridges, Yeah, they had to kind of work their way in. We were kind of wondering where they were for a while, and C.D. Lamb is a big reason for that, but Uh, Marvin Mims is already, it looks like, a vital part of this offense at the pass catcher position and as a punt returner. And uh, I can't wait to see how the running back position shakes out. I think we're going to see T.J. Pledger on Saturday for the first time. He's listed as the starter. I'm excited about what we uh, could see out of him. Mentioned Ramondre Stevenson at some point is going to work back in there. But, I mean, Seth McGowan has a gear and a ferocity with which he runs that is uh, special. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more evidence of these guys.
2: Okay, just about. We, we got time, Moran. Are we good for a couple more things? I know we're cutting kind of close. We're, okay, well, a couple of things. 90% of the questions have still centered around Saturday's game. And not the Missouri State game when we watch Seth McGowan just run away from people. More about this coming Saturday. And I, I wanted to share something that. Chris Kleiman said moments ago during his press conference, he mentioned it, Toby, you brought this up in the open, that there's another position where they're really close to the threshold of not being able to play, and last week they were one player at one position away from having to cancel. Now it's another position. That's the the concerning news for Saturday's game. The good news is Oklahoma's numbers look really good from what was released yesterday. They can can move the games around. There's flexibility built in the schedule, but the bottom line here is, you know, If you would have had conversations with a lot of teams on Monday or Tuesday of their game week – They might think, well, we're going to be cutting it close. But by that second test on Wednesday and then the final test on Friday, they might end up being back where they can play. So just just to kind of refresh that because there's a lot of questions about it. No, it's not a forfeit. They reschedule it. They've even uh, got some flexibility built into the Big 12 championship game, which could be pushed back a week if they need to play there. And this is just going to be the reality of where we are right now in college football.
3: No, you're right. And I think that it would be an upset at this point if the schedule plays out as it is written. Agreed. Agreed. Um, You know, certainly across the Big 12, but even at the University of Oklahoma, I expect greater than 50% chance a game will be moved at some point, and it might be this one. And I think the earlier, again, I think earlier in the season it's more likely than once you get halfway and beyond that just from a statistical standpoint, from a percentages standpoint. So um, we're just going to have to, you know, follow the news that comes out of Manhattan, and hopefully they can play at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, And then one one final thought, it is
2: Kansas State coming up this weekend. Chris Kleiman had a tough second-year head coach, tough loss a couple weeks ago to Arkansas State, and Arkansas State, you know, Kelly Danfuse, the Fighting Danfuses, uh, they were short. (laughs) They were short, too. I think they were down like six players for that game. But Teddy Lehman always says this, and it's a great point the team that you see on tape is usually different than the team that you play. And that's not saying anything bad. It's just that game elevates to another level when they face Oklahoma. And you know that Skylar Thompson, who I don't think every pass he threw last year seemed to be right on target. You know, you're going to get their a game coming up on Saturday.
3: I mean, what you expect out of Kansas state, every time you play them is that they're going to be tough, right? Tough. They aren't going to make mistakes. They're going to try to control the clock and they're going to play better special teams than most of their opponents. That's what Bill Snyder did for years. Looked like he just passed the baton to Chris Kleiman last year. That's what they did against Oklahoma a year ago. They got ahead. They shortened the game. They ran the ball. They had success. They forced OU to turn it over twice. They didn't commit any turnovers. You look up at the end of the day, and it's 48-41, and we're all shaking our heads saying, how did that happen? So that's what you have to expect. Skyler Thompson is back. He didn't play great against Arkansas State, but he played great against Oklahoma a year ago, and he is certainly a capable quarterback, both with his arm and with his legs. They've got a little guy, five foot five freshman running back, oh Deuce gosh. Vaughn. 5'5", five, five, Chris. Roy Finch was 5'7", okay? <laughs> this guy's tiny. He was their leading rusher in game one. He gets behind an offensive line that goes 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", and you can't find him back there. They've got a pretty good receiver in Shabaston Taylor who uh, had a big game against Arkansas state, six foot four. So he poses problems down in the red zone. They're a capable team with good weapons. They've got confidence. They beat Oklahoma a year ago. They know it can be done. They've got confidence. They can win in Norman. They've done it twice in Norman in the last eight years. They've beaten Oklahoma three out of the late last eight years. Who else in this conference can say that? So. Um, I think if you're Oklahoma, you expect, regardless of how they played against Arkansas State, that Kansas State is coming down here, and they're not scared, and you are in for a tussle.
2: Wow. These two teams have been playing since 1908. The Sooners are 37-7-4 and 4 in games played in Norman. You mentioned uh, those couple of losses. I think one of those losses, unfortunately, came whenever I was doing the mid-first scoreboard update uh, and said... Six, uh, six? said Blake Bell is going to score on this next play, and he, he didn't. So Let me ask
3: you about that 1908 game, Chris. Uh, sure, go ahead. Sooners won it 33-4. to four. <laughs> Hard to get to four, Chris. <laughs> Two safeties, I guess. I assume guess. they gave up two safeties on their way to a route that day. What do you think? Maybe it was a shutout. And were we there was scheduling? Were we scoring differently in
2: 1908? I think we've got a challenge for our resident historian, Michael Dean, yeah. for
3: Saturday's broadcast. I think we've got it
2: this Is week. history. Is that Sooners the last history. time
3: OU gave up two safeties in a game?
2: <laughs> last time, Oklahoma gave up four points in a game. Good luck finding that one. But it'll be fun. Uh, It always is when these two teams get after each other. Obviously, there's great history, and Bob Stoops and his Kansas (laughs) State ties and everything that's kind of gone into this rivalry. Toby, it's always fun to play Purple Kansas, and it's going to be a fun one this weekend. 11 a.m. kick. We'll be on the air with a 9 a.m. Sooner Radio Network broadcast. Toby and Teddy in the booth. Gabe and I will be down on the field. And don't forget, we're still partying at the Palace. Pre-game starts four hours before kickoff. We hope to
3: see you there. Anything we're missing out that we need to get to here, T-Row? We good? I think we're good. I think we'll come to Rudy's tonight, folks. We Uh, got Lincoln out there. Lincoln won't be there, but the Lincoln Show and Teddy will be out there. So come see us. Six PM start on that. Seven o'clock with Sooner Sports Talk with Lincoln Rally. Thanks
2: to Craig Moran and the entire Sooner Vision crew for getting us up and running today. We'll see you guys back here next week. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Enjoy game day.
4: All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, Welcome everybody. Very excited to get back on the field here this week against against a, a good Kansas State football team. Uh, program we've had a lot of respect for for obviously a long time and and uh, you know coach Kleiman obviously has done a tremendous job there uh, in his first year and and uh, tremendous football coach great staff around him and a lot of very talented football players on that team so uh, we know that the kind of challenge that it's going to be um, exciting game to, to get our big 12 uh, conference schedule underway um, and uh, had a good bye week feel good about you know, our team progressing, I think making some improvements in the areas that we're, we're going to need to and obviously we get a chance to, to go try to put that on the field on Saturday so looking forward to that uh, and that's all I got. Far away with questions.
5: Okay, we'll get into questions. We'll begin with Ryan Aver and then go to Eric Bailey. Yeah Lincoln, we haven't seen Spencer uh, to this point run a whole lot but uh, what do you think about his ability to run and, and- how big of a, a, a part of the offense do you anticipate the
4: quarterback run game being this year? Um, I think we have to see how it evolves. I mean, he's a, he's a good athlete, um, you a know, different kind of athlete. We've had kind of different guys each year. Um, but, you know, we've always looked to recruit guys that we feel like gave us some type of threat in the run game and some type of advantage there, and I think he, he certainly does. So, um, you know, it'll be fun to see how it evolves, but it's, it's, you know, we've, we've really benefited from the last several years of having guys that can move around and and make some things happen and be part of the run game, uh, some more than others. Uh, But, you know, that, that answers, that's partly about the quarterback, but also it's, you know, kind of the rest of your offense too. And, and what's your, you know, what's your recipe for, you know, creating big plays, what's your recipe for moving the football uh, effectively, um, converting key downs, all that good stuff. So, He gives us that option, no question. Appreciate it, Lincoln. You're welcome.
5: Eric Bailey and then Joe Bettner.
1: Lincoln, how beneficial was it to have last week off to really reset any positive or contact tracing results? And do you anticipate things changing much with three straight weeks of games, or is that just hard to predict?
4: No, I think it is. I think it's really tough tough to predict. you know, this will be the first stretch, like you said, of consecutive games. So, I'd be interested to see you know how that goes, not only for us, but but everybody else in our conference. And uh, I mean, it was good to have the bye week when we did. Certainly glad that we uh, ended up scheduling that the way that we did, and you know, happy that we were able to play. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, with obviously, you just don't have that cushion now. Um, you know, that that you've had, you know, with three straight, you know, important games coming up. And so, obviously, we got to continue to handle it better, um, understand that, you know, a guy makes a mistake or gets popped in contact tracing. Now it's it's not going to be one game. It's likely to be multiple games. Thanks, hmm Joe Bettner and then
5: Jason Kersey. Lincoln, you've
1: had a home game and a bye week.
4: have got this come and visit has it been easier to manage i the process has been like for these first few weeks. uh honestly kind of like it's been the last several months um you know here now you've got you know game plans and practices and all that but they're still you know are still able to make contact with the guys that, that we want to be making contact with it's still a Uh, a phone call, FaceTime, virtual world, um, of course, and looks like with the NCAA's decision that's going to be that for the, you know, the next coming months. So, I mean, it's something we're kind of used to right now. Um, You know, it's been different not having the guys on the road during the bye week. Uh, That certainly felt different, I think, for, you know, for our coaches, for everybody. Uh, And then certainly was, you know, having the home game the other day and only having to, like, worry about coaching the team was kind of weird. It was like... I'm used to having to do a whole lot more. I think our staff's used to doing a whole lot more, not only trying to win a football game, but conducting visits and and all that. So it was, uh, yeah, kind of a strange feeling not to have those people here with us. But we've, you know, I think our staffs continue to do a good job to be innovative and find ways to connect with with our with our prospects. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
5: Jason Kersey and then John Hoover. Yeah.
1: Hey Lincoln. Um, watching Spencer throw, it looks it looks pretty. that something about his arm or his wrist specifically or is there more to it than
4: that and how does a quarterback hone that skill uh I mean it's it's a combination of of some natural ability um and then I just think a lot of reps over the years I mean it's it's got like a golf swing some guys look really really pretty some guys look like you know look like Jim Furyk and they still get it done you know so I mean it's uh it's uh he he does have a very natural motion he's he's been a natural thrower as long as as long as I've known him um, and I think his arms continued as his body's developed, which is not different than many, but' continued to get stronger but no he does it's a he's a he's a confident thrower um he's got really sound mechanics throwing the football and you know it kind of if you were to draw it up you know start from scratch, it kind of looks the way you, you think it probably should look. Welcome.
5: John Hoover and then Cliff Brunt. Hey, Lincoln, I've heard a couple coaches describe that Friday COVID test as pretty tense, you know, just the waiting and you hold your breath. Uh, Can you describe kind of the logistics of what that looks like for you and then how you deal with the tension? And then also, since we're talking to Theo Howard today, I wonder if you could give us some insight on what an asset he's been for you.
4: Yeah, the test, honestly, I mean, we, we. we get it done and then we you know we have things going on as the results are being processed we're, we're kind of into our normal friday routine so i don't know that we're necessarily like sitting there waiting on pins and needles it's just you, you get the results when you get them and i mean that's sure the friday test or you know you, you think about those i mean they're all they're kind of all the same to me i mean they've all got the same result and and um so yeah I've, we're honestly probably set on pins and needles more with the First ones we had, now that we've, we do it so often, it's it's uh, um, maybe a little bit more used to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we all – staff goes down there at, along with the players. We we get tested, and then uh, I get a phone call from from Scott Anderson, and it's either a happy phone call or a sad phone call, um, as are most of my calls from Scott Anderson. Um, and uh, uh, Theo Howard, yeah, he's done a really nice job. He's picked up our stuff, um, I think – we were able to identify early on with him just from UCLA film and some of the early time we had with him. Some some key areas we want him to improve, and I think he's really consciously um, attacked those areas. I think he's becoming a more complete player, and and then pretty remarkable. I mean, to to be able to come off the injury he's he's coming off of um, as fast as he has. Uh, I mean, I, our people were excited the whole way, and Theo obviously did a great job. His doctor did a great job. He's he's uh he's really worked his tail off, but pretty remarkable to see how far he's come in such a short time off that injury. Thank you, There's
5: Cliff Brown. And-
4: Yeah, me and Coach Gundy and Coach Murray, some guys have had to pull the little double duty. Um it, it is. It's a it's a great question. It's a huge impact. It's a it's a luxury at the at this level that you're used to having. I mean, when you've got, you know, over a hundred players on a roster and, you know, a lot of those guys active, I mean, you've got a chance to to really create our scout teams here have been competitive. I mean, guys have had to do well just to be on a scout team and be a starter on a scout team. And that's, you know, a lot of times has led so much. It's obviously helps your team right then, but then it's, I mean, the number of guys over the years that have really kind of got going in that role. And then that has led to on the field success on Saturdays, you know, either that year or later on in their career. I mean, it's a long list. And so not has, it's been an adjustment. I mean, there's no question about it just to be able to practice the way you want. Um, We've had to sacrifice that some. We've had to adjust practice. Um, We've had at times to to do a little bit of less scout work because we simply just did not have enough bodies to be able to have a scout team. Um, You know, we've at times had to go you know a little bit NFL style and and service each other a little bit as far as um, you know with your with your second and third groups. And so, uh, yeah, you've had had to be creative. Um, But it it has been an adjustment, um, I think, both for the staff and for the players.
5: Mm -hmm. Go to Dean Levins and then Bill Haston.
4: Yeah, it's not four seven five. I can I can one hundred percent confirm that. Um no, he can he can run. Uh he's 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 really fast. I mean, he's you know, easily one of the fastest players on our team, which is, you know, so I mean where that is exactly on a clock with, with the abnormal off season, that's tough for me to say. But I mean he's a you know, he he's in the fast world. He's in the, you know, he's in the four four and underworld. Um and then what was the first question, Dean? Sorry. Do you expect Jaden? Oh, be yeah. Yeah, Jayden's done really well, uh, progressing very quickly. Uh, yeah, we, we absolutely expect that he'll be available to to play for us at some point this year. Bill Haston and then Barry Trammell.
1: I understand it's been a
4: a good question. I, know, I certainly understand the question. Um,
1: it just seems really unfair to you, to the position coaches, to the athletes. I mean, like I said, I know this is a weird year for the NCAA. So yeah. It's unprecedented, nuts. But um, it just seems to me that like somebody in Indy could like take an after the afternoon, study it all.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we're, you know, we're approaching it with, with those guys like like that we won't have them, um, and then if we, you know, if we happen to, to get some good news, then we'll adjust from there, and those guys are doing the same. I mean, so I think in a sense, we, we've, we've all, um, we're not sitting there dwelling on it day to day. Um, it, it has been, it's been a challenging year for the NCAA, there's a lot on their plate right now, um, but this is... Uh, That's a big issue. I mean, it is, it's, uh, you know, and it's, and it's a much bigger issue than, than these three players. And that's, you know, and I, and I think maybe that's part of why the process has been a little bit slower than, uh, all of us would like, but it's, uh, you're talking about a, an archaic rule within the NCAA, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you're talking about a world that has really changed, um, on that subject. And it's, uh, and it's a big deal. It is, it's, uh, it's, you know, the unfortunate matter is, you could go have a first positive test at just about any NCAA school in the country, and and you're gonna you're gonna get counseling, and you're gonna get um, all the support that you need at some of these great schools. And right now, studies are showing that's how that's how you win. That's how you beat this. That's how you that's how you actually help a player, help a person that has made a mistake. Um, and I think a lot of these schools have, have, have figured that out. And I think, you know, it's it's been, there's been some really positive trends and I think developments there. Um, the fact that if you have the same test from the NCAA that you missed six games and the, the disparity between that is, uh, you know, it, it's not right. And I, I am confident that it's going to get fixed or get, you know, head to a, a more appropriate spot. Um, and again, I my, my experience from that comes from, the players you see over the years and, and, and how, you know, how could we have helped them? How could we have done better? And, and right now it's about, it's, it's about that. And uh, so, I don't know if something will change in time to affect these guys, obviously for their sake, I I hope it does uh, because it is, it is really severe, especially when only a couple of teams in in the country a year get tested. Um, But, um, you know, they made a mistake um, and, uh, you know, they're living with the consequences right now. And hopefully something gets changed before that. If not, hopefully it gets changed for, for all the rest of the players um, and for the just the good of the game.
1: So you really had no hope?
4: No, no, I mean, I don't think it, you know, game-wise, this or that. I, I think it's bigger than that. I mean, I think this is a big policy, and listen, it's something that, you know, this is something that should have been changed a long time ago. Uh, you're not going to find anybody that argues with that, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate, um, but at the same time, it's uh, it is what it is right now. Like I said, we've come to terms with it, our players have, if something happens, uh, I think that would be great and the right thing to do. Uh, but if, if something happens later on, like I said, at least it's doesn't put other people and other players in, in, a, in what has become a, a situation for those guys that's not right and it's not conducive to somebody actually improving and getting better and addressing the issue at hand. And that's the problem that I have with it. All right, thank you. You're welcome.
5: Dean Blevins and then James Hale. Uh, Lincoln, I just I uh, had a qu uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm Sorry, Dean, I meant Barry Travel by popcorn very as well. Barry. Oh I yeah, I didn't know if that was an insult to me
1: or to Dean. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Lincoln, the the, fr- the threshold for the Big 12 with the one quarterback, the four D line, the seven O line. We receivers, running backs, DBs, linebackers not in that.
4: Yeah, no, good question. Um, those were, those were you know, proposals put together by us, the Big 12 coaches. And I think the biggest thought process is, is one, you can't – it's not very easy to interchange big guys. I mean, you only have a certain number of big guys on your team. And, uh, you know, every team in America is going to have more skilled guys than they have big guys. And so I think that was the – that was the first part of it, just kind of player safety. Nobody wants to see somebody have to throw a 230 pound tight end in there to play offensive tackle. Um, and, and I think the, as far as the skill guys, I, I think the skill guys are still certainly considered into that. But I think, you know, you're looking at, you'd have to lose a mass of skill guys to, to not be able to do it. And so I think they're represented, but they're just represented with that overall 53 number. I mean, and if you got hit so bad, across the board, you, you know, you and didn't have even skill guys to put in at a position, you probably would be under that fifty-three man as well. And so uh we felt like that was a, a good enough threshold, but just felt like those other positions you just couldn't safely, you know, you, you couldn't safely um kind of make the decision to go on playing.
1: And so, um, Tailback, you got you got emergency?
4: We do. Yeah, we do. I would say all the skilled positions right now, because of that right now, uh, we've got you know some emergency plans. And, you know, luckily enough for us, we've got, you know, some maybe better options than most would have. Hey, James Allen and Bob
5: Priscilla.
1: Lincoln, uh, working off your depth chart, you know, you lost – you didn't have several guys available in the offensive line, so theoretically,
4: Well, we're hoping to, you know, yeah, we're certainly hoping to get back to full strength at some point, um, you know. The, uh, but like I said, the the advantage we've had, and we've said a lot, is just having that that core group of guys that have played so much ball, and a lot of them have played multiple positions, and so that's been that's been very helpful. So, um, you know, like the group that we put out there the other night, um, you know, hope to have a few more options and guys available, and even the potential to, to play multiple guys with it, you know, throughout the game, uh, which is something that, you know, when at full strength we would like to be able to do, but obviously that's going to depend on week to week and how these guys perform and, and certainly how these COVID tests go. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
5: Bob and then Joey Helmer. Yeah, Lincoln, you
1: really never
4: Yeah, I, Bob, I really don't understand it at all. Um, everything that we were told and led to believe was it was going to continue to be a month to month decision. And we would continue to monitor, uh, obviously the COVID and travel and all that goes with that. Um, yeah. So for us to just jump ahead and do that, I I have no explanation. We as coaches have received zero explanation about it. I I was shocked. Um, because it's important that these guys are able to go see these places and, uh, not saying it's it's going to be able to happen but but it might be able to happen and for us to close the door on it so quickly I was uh, uh I like I think most of my peers that I've had a chance to speak with were caught off guard uh, with with really zero explanation for it and uh, don't don't really understand it at all.
2: What
5: have you seen Matt racing
4: wise in his game and also what are your thoughts on the secondary uh, overall yeah no he's had a he's had a good camp he's done a lot of good things i mean i i think you see some signs of him starting to take those you know take that natural step from a guy that was able to come in and compete as a true freshman uh had his ups and downs again like 99.9 percent of true freshmen do and i think he's learned a lot i think his body is a lot stronger i think he's moving better. Uh, more confident in in the schemes and his technique and and consequently he's you know doing a nice job so um I've been proud of him and his growth I mean it reminds me like a lot of the young DBs we've had through the years you know whether it was you know the the jump Buki made from his first year to his second year playing and and we've had several uh you know Trey was that way uh we've, we've had several guys make that jump and you know we certainly expected to that Jaden would be one of those guys that'd be capable of it. But he's, he's done a nice job so far, and I think there's absolute improvement in his game. Uh, yeah, secondary, I'm, I'm excited about. I mean, there's, um, I think the competitive depth in that room is really good. Um, I, I like just kind of the vibe and the mentality in it. Uh, we've got some really good leaders, some of our strongest leaders, not only on defense, but on our team are in that room right now. Um, and so, you know, we'll be we're excited to, you know, as the year goes on to continue to progress these young guys and because I think there's some talented guys there that certainly can help us right away. And, and even with that, we've got a lot of competition and guys that have played a lot of snaps around here that are fighting like crazy to either get on the field or stay on the field. And that's, you know, that's how you always want any group to be.
1: Lincoln, um, I have kind of a broad question for you. Um, it's become rare and rarer in college football over the past decade or so to see a traditional, pure pocket passer. Um, you know, watching the first two weeks of the NFL, it seems like it's almost the same thing happening at that level too. Um, have Have you seen a shift at the highest levels where that player, that you know, pocket traditional stationary guy, is almost being phased out of the game? One um, of the factors you might lead to that, and how much of it might
4: go back to just kind of just being picked to play a position, in high school and even younger. That's a good question. I mean, sure, I, I do think there's a shift. I mean, I think for a lot of reasons, I, I think, you know, I think you know, first college and then the NFL has has started to figure out that that you know, if you do have a guy that can move around some, uh, it it opens up so much for you. There's so much more schematically you can do. You got a guy that can get you out of bad situations, and I and I think what you're finding is is it's like to me. I think some of the earlier guys in in the NFL that maybe were considered more athletic were, you know, really really athletic guys, but they maybe weren't quite as good from the pocket as some of the "quote unquote" pocket guys. Um, I think what you're finding now is you're seeing guys that are really really good from the pocket too, that are also happen to be very very athletic, and that to me that that's to me what you're looking for. I mean that that is. When you got a guy that if people are going to try to keep you in the pocket, that can pick you apart and win from there, and then can escape, can get outside the pocket, can do some design things in a run game or bootleg game, and you add that aspect to it, I, it makes it very, very difficult to defend, uh, very difficult. And so I, I think now there's not a ton of those guys that exist. That's um, that's a you know a rare combination to have. But I think when you find that, it's uh, it's it's I think it's the toughest thing in this game to defend. And uh, so, now it's something we've looked for in recruiting. I mean, I know a lot of other people do too, and I think you'll continue to see more and more um, skill sets like that, both at our level and, and at the next level. Thanks. You're welcome.
5: Yeah, I apologize? We have time for only one more question. That's going to go
1: to Gary and Yeah, Lincoln, I know every year you're on alert with regard to uh... – Your guys' injury situation, but uh, I've heard a lot of coaches express even more serious concern, especially early in the season, with regard to muscles or or soft tissues, because their guys just weren't around to condition maybe as as much as they they would have under normal circumstances. You got out of the first game, I think, in pretty good shape, but but how how big a deal is this? Remain in your mind.
4: I honestly, Garen, I you know we now we hadn't played a you know 100 play game and 90 degree heat with a depleted roster yet um you know and hopefully we don't but I don't feel like we're that far off from where we've been I really don't I mean I think you've got a few guys individually guys that have missed time that that physically aren't quite where they would normally be um you just you just have a few more of those from all of this from from the COVID, but, I'm not saying don't think about it, but I can't honestly sit here and say it's a huge concern of mine right now. I mean, I think where my bigger concern would come from, you know, if we get to a point where we have an extremely depleted roster and are, you know, asked to go play a game, and we have guys in there that are not ready to fully play a full game. That's, But you don't have any other choice. That Those are – those are probably the biggest concerns. If we're, you know, anywhere near full strength, um, that's just that's not a huge concern of mine right now. With and, and I'm not basing that on the one game. I'm basing that on you know what I see on the practice field every day, what we're able to do. Um, we're, we're we're building in a good direction with our guys who have been able to practice. Okay, appreciate it. You're welcome.
5: All right,
4: Coach, that's all our time for today. Thank you. All right, Please, thanks. thanks.
2: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers.